Consider the rights of others before your own feelings and the feelings of others before your own rights. The golden rule, man. Just said by a basketball coach. So you've got to figure out who you're going to be. What's going to measure your success? What's going to be your why? Jim Trestle had the block O. John Wooden had the pyramid. Coach K's got the fist. What do you got? Who do you want to be? Because let me tell you something about coaching. They say you are not what you do, not coaches. Dan Tudor's a coach. Your athletic director's a coach. My wife, the dentist, is a coach. Your parents, coaches. And your kids will be too. So what kind of message are you going to help them develop about themselves? But in order to do that, you have to develop your own message. In order to do that, you better be efficient. It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, breakfast cereal aficionado and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Welcome, Coach, to another edition of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. I'm Dan Tudor, and I'm so glad that you were able to join me today here as we start summer 2017. Hope it's going great for you so far. For us, we are we are recovering from hosting the 2017 National Collegiate Recruiting Conference. That audio you heard is Coach Matt Daniel. He was one of 20-some speakers that we brought in over three days at Duke University for our annual national event. And boy, I tell you what, it was fantastic. So much good stuff to learn. So many coaches getting up and sharing not only their philosophy of success and how they did it, but really pure techniques and strategies and what's worked for them. And even a couple of coaches that got up and said, hey, here's what went wrong, but here's how we fixed it. So it was just a fantastic but exhausting three days, and uh, the coaches who attended, I think, felt the same way. Exciting, but boy, it's uh, it's work. It's not a uh, it's not a light, uh, easygoing convention. We really focus on bringing in as many experts as possible. And if you went, you know that uh, boy, the the brain power in that room that was up in front taking their time to share their expertise and re- and uh, and advice over the three days. It, it's hard to duplicate that, and I'm so appreciative of the people who came. And if you ordered the video, you'll get uh, you'll obviously get to see everybody. And if you were there, uh, you witnessed it firsthand and, and got a chance to, to uh, interact with everybody else. And I think that's one of the most powerful things about this conference. It's not only the speakers. It's not only the topics. It's the fact that you get to go out to dinner with coaches that you wouldn't have any kind of relationship with in a normal setting, in a normal coach and and, uh, athletic setting, and they're willing to share ideas, and that's what makes us special. So I'm, I'm so appreciative of the great comments we heard afterwards and the people who were there and devoted time. You will be a better recruiter from it. Today, we are sort of taking a look back, but having an extended sort of in-depth conversation about the conference and what we what we heard from all of the individual coaches and experts that made their way to Durham, North Carolina for the event. Um, joining me on this broadcast is uh, Jason Oates, who hosts the Whistle and a Clipboard podcast for coaches. A lot of you listen to, to that podcast as well, and you should. It's great advice for coaching and team building and everything revolving around the, the development of your program. And uh, he's going to host me, or I'm sorry, join me on this podcast for this edition because I wanted to have a conversation with him back, uh, boy, it's been a couple of months now, uh, one of the initial podcast episodes, we had the Recruiter's Clipboard. And that's sort of a combination of Jason Oates and his podcast as well as my podcast. But it's good to get together with another observer and another expert in the field and somebody who talks to a lot of coaches at all different levels from all over the country like Jason does. And combine it with uh, combine his knowledge with what we do here on the recruiting side, specifically with college coaches. And we've been calling those episodes the recruiting clipboard. Well, today we're going to bring another one to you, specifically focused on the lessons learned 
from the 2017 National Collegiate Recruiting Conference. So if you didn't get to attend, you're going to hear some insights and you're going to uh, hear a little bit of, of uh, review of what got talked about and what was impacted. And what we also want to do in this episode for any coach that's listening is to ask some important questions. We've got about seven important questions at the end of this podcast that based on the information these experts came in and shared a couple of weeks ago at our conference, it's qu- these are questions that you need to answer for your program here while it's summertime if you're looking to make a change and improve not only recruiting but the way your program is developing. So I'm going to get right to it because it's a long conversation with Jason and we uh, uh, had a, a great talk about a lot of different topics that I think are relevant to college coaches and specifically recruiting. So we're going to jump in and talk to Jason Oates on this edition of the Recruiter's Clipboard. So we did this about, what, uh, three or four months ago, it seems like, Jason, and uh, it was, you know, got a lot of good response, and so we're kind of taking over each other's podcasts, or I guess we're mutually hosting each other's podcasts, and uh, my podcast, College Recruiting Weekly, your podcast, Whistle on a Clipboard, and uh, they both have a lot of coaches that that listen, and so it's just a fun opportunity to kind of mesh ideas and talk about things that are affecting our audience, which is the coaching world. So, Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Dan. And Excellent. yourself? Very good. Yeah, excited. Uh, here, you know, towards the start of summer, so it's kind of like everything for me. I don't know how it is for you. It, you know, because we operate so much on an academic calendar with coaches and and going through you know season schedules that this is sort of like the this is the end of the game, and now we're getting ready for the next game, which is the upcoming year, and so it's. It's a it's it's planning. It's figuring out okay, what could we have done better, or what you know what would have worked that would have been different, uh, especially for our clients that the, those that we work with. But even just in terms of what coaches need to know, setting up that agenda and that schedule for next year is it's kind of fun. Um, and we kind of I think what what will be the topic of this talk today is the conference that we hosted that you were a big part of. The National Collegiate Recruiting Conference, which was held uh, in our sort of in our mutual backyard at Duke <laughs> University, and uh, just a great opportunity. I think it's always, it always is to listen to coaches tell other coaches, "Hey, here's how we did it. Here's the way that we have been successful in recruiting," or even revealing the mistakes that they made that maybe made it harder to uh, be successful than they than they uh, than, than they thought it would be. But it's just, you know, I, I, I'm interested to hear your impressions because this is the first time you and I have had a chance to talk about it uh, in, in attending the conference. And we, we're kind of going to make this podcast what you heard and what seems to be on the mind of coaches and some of the things that were behind the scenes that weren't necessarily up at the podium where speakers were, were giving their talks. But I think one of the valuable things and the coolest things about that kind of a gathering is you got so many smart coaches and minds together that they they talk and they share ideas and you or me other coaches that are there get to be in on those conversations and i always find that fascinating yeah i think that's one of the biggest um one of the biggest benefits to conferences that that lots of us probably don't think about when we go um first off dan thanks for having me uh at the conference and, and allowing me to speak it was a lot of fun for me um I did, it talk yeah. I did it a little bit differently, asked a ton of questions, got some great feedback from the coaches there. So and, um, I'm hoping that they're continuing on to like to answer those questions for themselves so that they can right. lead themselves um, down the path of wherever they want to go. But um, Yeah, and, it was, if, and just real quickly, if you didn't attend the conference, Jason was one of our opening night speakers and uh, really got a great reception from, from the coaches. Because, I mean, your podcast and – is all about how to be a better coach, and so it you know your your topics really applied at the conference. Cool. Well, thanks. Yeah, and I guess what what I was getting to is we had a bunch of speakers up there, and they would you know, um, you know, stir up thoughts within myself and with other people. And, sure. And then you know, and we you had coaches there from all over the country, from you know as far away as. Portland, yeah, a lot of Oregon. West Coast schools made the cross country um, trip, yeah, yeah, and then you know, and from around here too. But then also, like I myself had never, I'd never knew that college rodeo 
existed, right? <laughs> right? Never knew it. Never knew that there was such thing. And then you know the the coach from um, <clears throat> Colorado, I guess. Yeah, uh, Jed. Jed Moore. Yeah. Yep. And just you know, it was kind of funny. Like day one for me, we were waiting to shoot in Cameron, and myself and him and John Brubaker, and then two two girls from uh, the. NSCA. NCSA, yeah. NCSA. I always get their Next college letters student mixed athlete. up. Yeah. Um, but we all ended up uh, together just just hanging out, and then we kind of hung out a bunch through the rest of the week, and it was a just enjoyable to bounce ideas off of each other that, that we were hearing and, and then talk about things kind of from our perspective because you had, you know, Jed as the coach. You had Jamie and Claire as the the – Recruiting, but kind of on the student athlete side, right? Right. And then you know you had John, the the leadership author, book former yep. coach, and me trying to um, you know the, the the podcast guy, leadership guy, that kind of stuff. And so those conversations were really fun. And then also the conversation that it led to with other coaches. Right. And so one of the things that um, that we talked about that I wanted to bring up that was you know off to the side was recruiting kids. In terms of, we talked a lot about culture and and how that's kind of a big word right. or big buzzword these days, and and recruiting kids into your program uh, because of their talent, but not because of the whole package. And you know, they were lots of them were talking about, you know, how do I make sure that I get those kids that are talented but also fit uh, right. our culture and that, for their program because everybody's different and it really kind of follows well it has to follow the head coach because they're you know but also the head coach then has to um project that culture themselves right to make it work so but and and, you know it's it's the the first thought i'd I'd have on that and then you know i'd I'd love to get more of yours as well but the first thought is you were as you were describing it that way so you, you you can take it of course one or two you know areas you can take it one or two courses we're either going to just get the best player no matter if they fit our culture or not uh, that that's option number one because we just want whatever the best talent is. And by the way, in saying that, we're not criticizing that. That just is a coaching decision that you have to make in, in developing the program. Or you maybe bypass talent if they aren't going to be a good fit for your culture. And you know, so you have a, a more cohesive team that you might sacrifice pure talent for. So I guess the first question that a coach has to ask is. Which one for me is more valuable? Is it better to have a more cohesive, uh, better bonded team going through that season or through in college, certainly, through the next four to five years? Or is it better to gather a bunch of pure talent together, uh, make them work together, and, uh, and, you know, and win that way? So, I mean, that's really, the, the, don't you think that's a fundamental question that coaches have to ask, whether you're building a college program or even a high school program? Because high school coaches do that as well. The old, you know, great athlete on campus, but, you know, he or she is kind of a jerk, but gosh, we really need him on the team. And so we'll just, we'll just, you know, um, you know, we'll, we'll hold our nose and, and bring him in because we need the wins. I mean, you, you've seen that struggle before. Definitely, and I, I think that's one. It's another kind of question that I don't know that coaches have taken a long time out to ponder, right? No. And I think it's a, a hugely important question because you know how many headaches do I want to have? What kind of headaches do I want to have? <laughs> right. Um, right. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and, and uh, not that you're not going to have headaches if you choose one way or the other, but um, you know. Well, but you know what? I'll stop you there, Jason, because. I think as you were saying that, what everybody listening, I know my mind went there, what everybody assumed was that if you're going to have headaches, it's probably going to be because you brought in the kid that didn't fit your culture or your style as a coach, and now you've got to live with them. And yeah, there's the talent, but you've got to live with them. So I almost think that if you if you you know, choose that 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 first road of we're just going to bring in the best talent, whether they fit our culture or not, they do end up, at least that's what ends up being the headache from my experience, well, both as a coach, but also in listening to college coaches talk about the kid that they brought in that now, you know, 
either brought the crazy parents along with them or <laughs> that uh, they just they've got the attitude and it usually is it, it's usually that, that 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 first road so I guess I'm wondering like from again I'll, I'll ask you because you talk to uh, far more coaches than I do in, in a variety of coaching situations so I'd love your opinion on this do you you is it it's probably a case where if you bring in that top athlete or a group of athletes that don't fit your culture, then that by definition is going to make your culture change, wouldn't it? Because you're going to have to adapt your culture to, you know, even make it a non-culture. That's still adapting your culture just to fit, you know, these uh, the, the star players. I would completely agree with that. You know, it's <laughs> if you're lots of times you're who we are at our core is it's not fixed, but it is. And it's very hard to take those um, people that, you know, are way away from what you want as a culture, what you want as a, as a community within your team. And it, so, yes, I mean, you can change, you can get people to, to go, but it's, it's kind of like, what kind of headache do I want here? Do I want to have to do that? Do I want to adjust my culture to more fit my star player? Or do I want, you know, it, it's also too, I think some teams may have it a little bit easier because they have have an established culture that people recognize from the outside. Sure. Um, you know, I'm thinking like a Duke in North Carolina where right. those two places, you know, Coach K and his fist, um, Carolina and the family, you know, it's those things are, they've been going on for a long time. Right. right. So the the kids see it and they come in and then they want to be a part of that. So they adjust. But on the other side, if you're new and these kids are coming in, um, that's when I think you really have to, for me at least, and what I've heard talking with coaches is that's when you, you've got to choose what you want early on and then build that and then, you know, build the house and then people will come to the door and want to be part of it, I guess. Right. Well, so, so I'm going to go back, Jason, to something you, you mentioned as you heard coaches at the conference talk, um, a lot of the conversation swirled around this idea of culture and fit and what if we bring in the athlete that isn't a fit but we get the talent. So you know, you and I are debating which road to go down. Which, which complaints or, or which scenarios that ended up being bad for coaches, which, which road did they go down? In other words, did bringing in the, the talent and forsaking the culture, was that the main complaint of the coaches you heard behind the scenes? Or was it, gosh, we're, we're a great, you know, we get along, but we're not winning, and that, that stinks, and now I'm under pressure. Like, which, which one was providing the most headaches for coaches? You know, it's, it seemed to me that the one that provides the most headache is the, is the, uh, the, the not the culture that they want. They bring in right. the kid in that didn't fit rather than, not winning um, and having good kids. It seemed right. like that the that the that the good kids, or and I don't want to say good kids, but the kids that fit you, that <laughs> right. fit your team, right? You know, the kids that it was a lot fits. easier yeah. win or loss. But then when you have the the players that don't fit, now you're you. Not only do you have that win loss worry, but now you have this um, enigma. And I make it sound like it's so black and white. Sure, but, sure. But, you know, for the sake of, of talking, you've got – and now you have that added additional thought or the additional pain point right, of trying right. to – how do I deal with this kid? How do I get – like most of them were, th were talking like, how do I now get this kid to be a part of our culture so that we can all focus on getting better, which then leads to wins or losses rather than – focusing on how do we make this kid part of the team or do we ask the kid to leave? Right, right. Or, yeah, or the athlete sometimes is the one that, that initiates the leaving and now you've sacrificed a year or two of your soul to <laughs> the athlete that ends up, you know, just going closer to home or to the bigger program or, or whatever the case. Um, so, I mean, it's not, an, a, it's not a question that we're attempting to answer in this podcast and certainly there are smarter people than you or I that have dug deep into that. And really, it's just an individual coaching decision. But what I, I guess going back, you know, to, to bring it full circle, that was one of the things that you're saying you heard a lot behind the scenes at the National Collegiate Recruiting Conference. And, you know, I'll, 
the reason I'm deferring to you, Jason, is because uh, in helping to run that conference, you know, I, there were there were some moments where I got to sit back and actually just sort of listen and soak it in. But that's the one thing I don't like about the conference is that I'm so busy hosting it that that you know you don't get to talk to coaches a lot one-on-one -on -one. and like every year and this year was no exception I you'll go back down the list of the coaches that were there and I think ah these seven or eight coaches I was really looking forward to catching up with or talking to and just couldn't so you you're in a great position to listen to what they were saying and make some of these uh, observations that now we can we can talk about on uh, on the recruiting recruiters clipboard so well, yeah, so that that's I appreciate you kind of bringing bringing that up, and I guess do you agree? It's just an individual coaching decision. There is no right or wrong answer. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. No. Definitely. It's that's one of those questions that in this downtime or this this it's not off season, but you know the the learning season. Um, I would encourage coaches to sit back with that question and and not yeah you have a first answer, but then look at look at all sides of it and and really come up with a choice for yourself and then live it for a while and see how it goes. Right. You know, and the other thing is, as you were mentioning that, I started thinking, well, it is a choice. And so why do so many coaches choose to bring the talent in and forsake the culture? And you mentioned Duke and North Carolina. Obviously, where we're at, those are two teams in our backyard. But you could talk about Kentucky. You could talk about... Um, you know, USC football in, in, you know, sort of there in the Pete Carroll heyday, uh, you know, time frame. You could talk about, uh, you know, a lot of different sports and, and sort of the higher level programs that make it work because, and they're just going to get the best talent and, and it works. And what I think happens is, and just you talking about it has made me sort of come to this conclusion here in the last 15 minutes of, of listening to you, I think what happens is a lot of smaller program coaches, that could be D2, D3, NAIA, or even D1 programs that are just not uh, not sort of the, the spotlight sports, uh, you know, field hockey, lacrosse, uh, women's soccer, on campuses that are not, they're not going to take up much of the time, as much time or budget as football or men's basketball. What I think is happening is that those coaches see the Mike Krzyzewskis, the Roy Williams, the John Calipari's, make it work with bringing in the best talent and, and you know, the culture, you know, they're just going to, you know, fight it and mold, mold those kids into players that fit their culture. And, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And not that they're better coaches necessarily or, or more... Uh, advanced people and leaders than 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 other coaches are but i think there is a point where your program and also your reputation as a coach goes before you in everything that you do and so mike shashevsky can bring in a top kid around the country and that top kid is not going to question whether or not they should fit into the Duke culture. That other top kid is not going to fit in or not going to question whether or not they should do what John Calipari says. Why? Because they have a track record of getting those athletes onto the next level. There's a professional career dangling in front of them, which is millions of dollars. And, and so there is, there's a, a big reason to say okay i'm just going to fit in i'm going to do what coach says and i'm not going to question it whereas the division two men's soccer coach that looks at that and says well i'm going to do that too and i don't know that they can because there's not as much going out in front of them that's going to sort of plow the road and 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 clear it for for that athlete so just that's just an as you were talking jason that's one observation that came to mind you agree disagree or what would you add to that no, I would definitely think that that you know that preceding reputation um, by those bigger coaches, or you, one of the other things that came to mind while you were talking was like the San Antonio Spurs, professional athletes. Right. So you know yes. they're talented, yeah. right? But they have a certain way they do things. They have a certain culture, or even the Warriors, um, you know, and and that precedes. Even the, 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 the talent on the team, I guess. You know, so it is. It's like people, I think, 
I think that also attracts a certain type of, of player. Right. A certain yeah, type good, of athlete, great point. right? Yeah, great point. So, you know, they, those, like, the Spurs have proven they can win with whoever they happen to find or whoever they happen to invite on their team. So, you know, and those people tend to But fit. wouldn't you say, yeah, no, but, but there again, wouldn't you say that Popovich has developed such a reputation, and, and you bring up a great sort of scenario in a pro, um, in a professional situation, they've developed, the San Antonio Spurs have developed this internal culture that just says, hey, you, you're gonna, you, if you come in here, here's what it's like, and they don't question that. They don't, the, the players don't question it. They, they adapt to it. And heck, some of them probably even want that type of environment where they know what their role is going to be and how they need to act versus the coach that doesn't define it. So I don't know. It's, it's, that's a really interesting way to look at it because there again, it goes back to what kind of reputation does the coach have? It's not the Spurs organization necessarily, but I think it goes directly to to the coach and what what has he or she done to establish the you know the reputation and establish the brand that other players buy into um so i mean even with the spurs i could make the case that that is that they don't necessarily year after year have the best talent in the league but year after year they perform at a really high level and they're going to be one of the tough teams to beat probably because they have the, the culture rules and it's not an individual, even though they have talented individuals, but it's, it's not the culture or it, it's the culture. It's not the, uh, the individual that, that ends up making the difference. Yeah, no, I would, I would completely agree with everything you just said. And that's why, you know, one of those, one, that's why I think culture is a big word, but then it's also like as a coach, how do you, establish that how do you invite right. that how do you and and i, I use the it's word the chicken invite and the egg, <laughs> the chicken right? and because, the egg thing. yeah yeah because i mean they draft certain players they won't draft other players um you know i and they they do a decent job of looking into the background um of of each player um so yeah i think it's and i, I was getting back to that word invite because when you're recruiting, you're inviting, or even when you're like for high school coaches, when you're choosing players, you're inviting them on your team, and you're oh, inviting yeah. all they bring with it. So, uh, you know, that's why I, I like to say you invite culture uh, because it's 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 made up of you plus your assistants plus your players plus your managers plus you know the janitor that sweeps the floors in your building. So it's, right. it's a, right. that whole program. Um, so yeah, you know, coaches can look into that. And that was another fun thing about the conference was just having these conversations outside, going to lunch, going to dinner. Um, I really did enjoy how you made groups and, and, you know, got the, the first night, those groups to go out, eat together, start those conversations, um, and just start conversations, period. That's. You know, it, it's not always what we know, but it's what we can learn from someone else that, that we could adapt to to ourselves. Right, right. No, I and it's it's forced interaction to be sure for that first night, but I think everybody comes back the second day and they're they, you know, knowing ten or twelve other people that you didn't know coming in the first day, um, just enhances the the whole thing. Um, you know, one of the other topics that I felt like the 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 conference just sort of took a natural course in uh, into sort of how it un- unfolded was developing the players that you have on your team. There's a lot of leadership development uh, topics. There were a lot of leadership development speakers. In other words, recruiting the talent, yes, but now once you have it, how do you develop it and keep it? And I was just wondering from your perspective, what, because that, that certainly applies to, you know, not only college coaching and the pros, but also high school, youth sports, everything across the board is how do you develop that internal team and, and develop leaders even? Um, so I just wanted to, your your thoughts and observations on, on what you heard, not only from the speakers, but from other coaches uh, at the conference. So that's that's a real, like leadership itself is a real interesting topic. And I think 
for me, and you know, I've been doing some leadership coaching with a um, multinational construction company, so it's top of mind because we're we're going in and and um, trying to help them better with better better leadership and. You know, one of the ways that, that I look at it, that we look at it, and that I talked with, with some of the coaches is that you have to give control away to be a really great leader. It's not about you as a leader. It's about creating more leaders. And, and the way to do that is to give control, give dis, you know, push the decisions to where the information is. Right, so, right. like, for me as a basketball coach, I look at, the players are out there, they're playing the game, you know, during the actual activity of, of playing whatever the game is, like, let the kids call the plays. Then, you know, the timeouts, take time to discuss what's going on, give your observations. But ultimately, you know, I would guess we can, football's a different bird, but, you know, basketball, Baseball, you know, you want the kids to know where they're going with the ball, but they have to read the situation. And and we as coaches hollering over on the sideline sure. confuse the players. Right. So that was that was kind of from from what I've been doing and, and, and my point in my side in my point of view. You know, it's really how do I and I we use I use the term term emancipate. Mm-hmm. How do I yep. free my players to be able to make the best decisions with the information they have at the moment rather than always looking back to me? Well, and you bring up that that is such a great point uh, in just pure coaching. You know, in competition, I there was a year when I was a football coach that uh, we had, well, you know, football coaches yell a lot. <laughs> Most do anyway. And, and, I can remember one year in particular that we just we had a coach that yelled, head coach that that was just you know in a game screaming irate at everything, uh, pretty much every play something went wrong, somebody missed an assignment, or that, at least that's what he saw. Well, you know what happened was you took a good team and you start yelling at individual kids. And or when they come to the sideline yelling at individual kids, well, how does that kid respond? You know how they respond is they get afraid. I don't want to make a mistake again. Well, when you're an athlete and you're afraid of making a mistake when you're in the field or on the court of competition, you're not going to play. You're not going to play as well, and you're not going to be. Uh, you're certainly not going to to be somebody that's going to be an impact player because impact players make mistakes, but they make mistakes in the process of trying to make plays. And so you could see in that particular team that I was on the staff, you could see kids start out strong and then slowly throughout the game be worn down to the point where by the fourth quarter, they just, they just didn't want to get yelled at. Forget about winning and losing. They just did not want to get singled out and yelled at. And you could, they just tensed up and then you know we were not a good fourth quarter team. And that's what you just talked about, I think, is something that that you know co- we as coaches we think that it is vital that the athlete needs to know exactly what they did or didn't do uh at all moments of the competition and you know you take it back to though as athletes who who liked that who liked getting yelled at or you know you know you're a basketball coach and you're screaming out watch the three watch the three well of course you don't want them to get a three pointer it's not like you reminding them just you know, all of a sudden they, oh yeah, we can't allow a three-pointer. Or, you know, as football coaches, and one of my pet observations when I was a football coach is all the ridiculous things football coaches yell out that are just basics of the game. And I think we do it as coaches as like a stress reliever. We just want to feel like we're doing as much as possible. And yet, you look at the good coaches on the sidelines, whether it's in basketball, soccer, football, lacrosse field hockey whatever it is the good coaches are sitting there and they're calm and they're confident and they're teaching and instructing they're once a kid comes to the sideline they'll talk but when they're out there competing you let them compete and that's you know that leads to better decision making as a coach Uh, anyway that's just one thought that popped into my mind as you were talking about that because i can directly relate to (laughs) to that to that situation (laughs) 
No, definitely. And I see it all the time. You know, not just, it's not just coaches, it's leaders uh, of businesses and, and other, you know, areas. They're, they're so afraid, coaches and leaders are so afraid to give up that control because they're afraid of what the decision's going to be that the player that the employee makes. And if you hired them or if you invited them on your team, you invited them there or hired them for a reason. Let them, you know, nobody ever got better by just doing the same thing and not making a mistake. You know, that's how you get better. You go, oh, I screwed up there. So maybe I shouldn't do it that way next time. But if you don't give them the, the area to be able to make that, those decisions, to be able to make those mistakes, to then be able to help pick them up and move them forward, they're not getting any better. Your team's not getting any better. And like you said, they're playing scared, which means they're, or they're playing not to lose, which usually leads to not winning. Sure. Yeah, it's you don't win a lot with the prevent defense, and there's been more <laughs> disaster scenarios, you know, with basketball teams that were just totally in control uh, of a game, and then they kind of back off because it's now just let's get out of here, let's get out with the win, and what happens? The other team fights back and either falls just short or they beat you by four points. And the same thing in football, you know, when you take your foot off the gas. Boy, it, it has bad results. And, of course, same thing in recruiting, same thing when you're not developing leaders, same thing uh, in, um, in, in competition. I was going to ask you too, Jason, what, uh, what were the, some of the things that you heard that were the most surprising or the, I, maybe just something you didn't think that coaches would talk about or that it would be a problem for college coaches in dealing with? What, what were some of the things that you heard that, that were a little bit, um, I mean, just outside that uh, that maybe normal conversation you were expecting coming in as a first-time attendee at the conference. Hmm. You know, outside of the of the realm. Well, you, <laughs> talking about bull riding, um, that was definitely <laughs> one that, yeah. that I didn't expect. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and just you know, for everybody, if if you've been to a conference before, this happened. This started a couple of years ago. Uh, I remember we were in Boston, and you know we had you know, this you know big room, just sort of like we were for this conference. And coaches start filing in, and of course most coaches, you know, they're in shorts, they're they're in their polo shirts, they're in their you know they've got something with their school markings on, and in walks this cowboy, and Jed Moore is a. Uh, uh, a rodeo coach in Colorado, uh, and you can follow him on Twitter at Ride for More, Ride the number four and M O O R E. Um, and he is a cowboy 100% through, uh, and he was easy to pick out because he sat right in the middle of that room in Boston and had a gigantic cowboy hat on, and you knew who he was. And of course, when you're wearing a cowboy hat, all the speakers referred to. You know, that coach with the cowboy hat, they, they, he started to be wrapped into conversations. And and then since then, he's sort of fallen in love with going and and has had a lot to offer, um, you know, in terms of speaking uh, and, and advice and, and how he's done things. In fact, you know, this year's topic for him was don't be me. And it was all about the mistakes he's made in college coaching and recruiting and you know, it got a little emotional at the end. He's passionate about what he does. And, you know, Matt Daniel was the other one, former women's basketball coach at, at Marshall, who uh, recently stepped down to um, move with his wife and family to, uh, to Arkansas. And, you know, he's now doing some things outside directly of, of college basketball. But, you know, he got up and talked twice, and you saw the emotion and the passion he has for what he did, but also making sure coaches understood what it was that they need to do to build a successful program. And that, I mean, I personally, I appreciate it because it's tough to open yourself up for, you know, you know, either just to show that emotion, but also to, you know, to get up and say, hey, here's what I've done wrong. And this is just, it was it's such a unique experience every time I hear coaches do that. And they don't do it anywhere else but this is one of the places that you can go once a year and like you said you can go out to dinner and share secrets and conversations and people talk about what's going wrong and what do they need to do different and um so anyway didn't mean to go off on that tangent but that was just something that that you 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 struck a chord 
because you can see how much their jobs mean to them and you can see how how they're really trying honestly and sincerely to be the best coach and the best person that they can yeah and and you know i guess one of the unique things besides the fact that they were willing to share those warts um because you know you normally go to conferences and you get the seven steps to be the best you and nobody right. ever talks about you know <laughs> right. what nobody ever talks about you know that that ugly stuff underneath the curtain that that they don't ever share right. but you know having those guys share those things um was really awesome and and you know really kind of what it came back to too for both of them was was the people um they yeah. were so you know um Coach for Marshall, he was so into helping his kids get better. You know, right. one of the things he kept bringing up was um, the the girl that he's helping to try to get a seventh year of eligibility because of the things. Got that it. He got through. the seventh year. Yeah, oh, he did get. Awesome. Yeah, he he got the seventh year of, of eligibility and just you know again she's gone through some personal things and that that he's gone the extra mile in petitioning the NCAA to give her those. Those extra years, so a seventh year of eligibility. You know who? <laughs> you got to have you. You got to be a passionate coach that's going to see something through to make that happen for one of your athletes. Uh, and and Matt Daniel is, and so I mean, they're just again. I think the ability to be vulnerable and to get up and talk about in front of your peers and in front of you know we, you know there's video, so this goes out to. You know, a couple thousand coaches that that will see see it by video after the fact too. You're putting yourself out there, and I'm just I'm so appreciative when coaches choose to do that because, like you said, Jason, that's what you learn from the most. I love I we you know I run a, a business, and so one of the shows I love to watch is The Profit on CNBC, where a guy Marcus Lemonis goes in and analyzes and fixes failing businesses and here's what you did wrong and hey here's how we're going to fix it um you know even when you have something that's going well you can learn from and i want to learn from you know how to avoid mistakes or recognizing mistakes before they happen and so i think it works the same with uh with coaches as well yeah and you know one of the things that i learned and just and one of the things that we kind of talked about some in terms of there was was being unique and standing out. And Jeb really um, brought that to, you know, a visual part. He was the guy with the cowboy hat. He did, you know, he was also very um, energetic, yeah. too, uh, and, and, and fun. So he wanted to be around him. Right, yeah, he wasn't the mainstream person. Right. He wasn't. Think of, think of Jason, all the pictures that you didn't take with most <laughs> of the coaches there. So why did you choose to take a picture with you know with uh, you know the cowboy? Because he was the cowboy there. So yeah, it's it's about branding yourself and and uh, I got to be careful when you're talking about a cowboy coach branding yourself because that could be a terrible, <laughs> hideous yeah, mistake, hard. painful too. Hot. Um, but but you know what I mean. It's you know it's. He walks in and he becomes this this very noticeable person in the room in a sea of of coaches that are probably mostly trying to conform and look the part of a coach. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but you know, there there's something to be said about coming in and and being a person that people are naturally drawn to. Because in my world of recruiting, that's gonna that's gonna be to your benefit when when you get talked about and people know who you are and what you're all about and you're not afraid to to show sort of the the, the cracks underneath. That's somebody that then I can play for as an athlete and that I'd want to coach with and be on their staff with as a as as a uh, as an assistant coach. No, that's and that's you, you finished my sentence for me. That's where I was going, you know. But it's that's who he is. That's. He's the authentic cowboy, like, he, you know, and talking with him, he, he used to, he, he was a rodeo, you know, he was in the, the professional rodeo too. Right, so, you know, right. and he, he lives that life, but it's, it's, and he really is who he is. So, you know, maybe as coaches, you know, one of the things to take away from that is that if you want to recruit better players that fit you, you need to be you and you don't need to go take I love companies that go, 
have a focus group to see what makes them authentic, right? <laughs> Why do we need that? <laughs> or hire somebody to right. create the authenticity. Hire somebody to tell you what your authenticity is supposed to be. <laughs> that makes right. no sense. But yeah. so yeah, like maybe do that too as coaches where where in this the the learning season time, like sit back, like who are you? And then just be that. Right. Rather than trying to be, you know, the 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 sweatsuit coach or whatever it happens to be that when you think of, you know, the the normal right. the normal coach, like stand I think, up, you know, be you. No, I, I think you're right, and I think that a lot of a lot of especially younger coaches who are, uh, and the nice thing about the conference is that we had a mix. We always do of of seasoned, experienced head coaches at you know D one, D two, D three, and AIA, and then you also have the newer assistants who are trying to learn, and it seems like when you're a newer assistant, you are being sort of your approach is I have to be ultra professional and fit in and yet and there's certainly you know doing what your head coach says absolutely but what brand are you developing for yourself that kids that your recruits are going to gravitate to or that your players are going to respect and want to be a part of when you know when they're looking at you when they're trying to assess who is this person who is he or she that's going to be telling me what what to do? Do I do I follow them? And you know, more often than not, the coaches that I've seen as successful long term are the ones that really carve out their own brand, their own niche, and and don't just uh, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? They they don't just um, become so professional and so sanitize that they lose sort of their individuality you know what i mean i mean and there's certainly a place you want people i love it when i walk onto a campus and i see a staff and everybody's wearing the same gear and everybody's branded and they're they're part of this team and they show off their colors i like that but what can you do to to be honest and vulnerable and authentic and you know that's the stuff that i see kids looking for yeah, in in the schools that they choose when they're trying to make that college decision, and I think going back to your San Antonio Spurs example, that's why those players win there because they've all they've bought in, they've maintained their individuality. But even you know Greg Popovich, yeah, as a coach, I mean, he's a pretty original guy. He's a he does not do things the you know you look at him and he's. You know how he coaches and his style, and just looking at the guy, he's not your—he's not the cookie cutter, you know, college basketball coach or professional basketball coach. He's—he there is some originality there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that lots of coaches lose is their own bits. We're too busy taking things from other people, and we forget to make them ours. Um, you know, it's lots of coaches that I've had on on what's on the clipboard talk about stealing. Uh, coaching is a stealing profession where we steal from others, and yes, definitely. But you then, once you get it from someone else, now you've got to make it your own, right. so that it fits you, your personality, so that you can be unique, so that you do stand outside of that mainstream, so that you do have the ability to to not just be good, but to be great because you're not on that same you're not right. in, in, you know you're not on that same path well so, you yeah. um you mentioned rightly so that i've jumped in and finished a couple of your sentences for no, you so i uh you know when you get you know jason and i you get us together we're going to stumble over each other and because we have so much to say and and that's great that's why you know it, the whole thing works so and i've loved getting to know jason over the last year but uh, you know, because this is your podcast too. And by the way, if any of my audience isn't listening to the Whistle on a Clipboard podcast, you need to you need to subscribe to that because it, there there is always something good. I'll, I'll tell you, Jason. I don't think I've told you this. That's one of the podcasts that's my go-to for an airplane flight because I always learn something from the coaches, the topics that you have on. It's just great information. More so on the purely coaching side, whereas, of course, my podcast, College Recruiting Weekly, is more for uh, just strictly the recruiting side and, 
and college program development. Uh, but but anyway, if you haven't listened to Jason's podcast, you should because it's a great one. But but I was going to say because I stepped over and finished a couple of your sentences. Um, as we start to near the end of, of our time together, why don't you bring up the last topic that you want to talk about, and I'll try not to finish any of your sentences, <laughs> but I'll let you run, you know, run this, uh, this last uh, whatever, whatever thing that you feel is uh, important for coaches to really focus on this summer as they, as they get a little bit of a break from their regular duties. You know, I think I'll go back kind of to, to my talk and focus on you. Sit back as coaches and ask yourself the questions like is what i'm doing does it fit me does it fit my personality do my players fit me um how am i different and am i living that or not um am i being authentic like i think it's really a great time to sit back and not necessarily and when i say question yourself i'm not saying like question like am i doing it right but sit back with ask yourselves some questions about your culture. Ask yourself some questions about where you are. Um, ask yourself some questions about what what else do I need to learn um, to get better? Am I continuing? I mean, if most of the, most of the coaches, if they're listening to these podcasts, they are learning. They are trying to get better better themselves. Um, but on the same sense, are you actively doing it? Because if you're just listening to us and you don't actually take any action then you haven't really, yeah, you've gotten more information, but you haven't done anything to get better. So I would challenge the coaches to, you know, listen to my podcast, listen to the recruiters, you know, listen to Dan's podcast, listen to these com- combination podcasts, but also do something. I mean, I've got... Put it into action. Yeah. Yeah, yeah do something. Like, put it into action. Like, sit back, you know, really take a, a self-assessment of you, who you are, where you are, and then get better well and especially something. yeah and especially if you're struggling if your program isn't performing as well as it should and you know in your heart of hearts it's not performing as well as it should do you have what what is the risk in trying something different and doing something that somebody else is going to recommend or that another coach would recommend you know what do you have to lose i think the great thing that that our audience at that conference does is they're there to steal ideas <laughs> and, yep. and we make no bones about it look you're you know feel free to steal it to listen to the warnings that coaches give and follow those or to i mean the number of coaches again that just basically open their door and say here's how we did it and here here's the stuff that we used and here's the strategy man take that and if there's people within your program whether it's a high school program college program you have people around you that are that seem to be doing it better and just take them out to lunch and and pick their brain and be and don't be so proud as a coach that you can't admit there are there are areas that i can get better and i have people around me that can make me better and the, the great thing too is that most of those people around you that are better are more than willing to share they're they're humble they're um they they like to spread their success around. I mean, heck, the the what's what's one of the hallmarks of a good college coach is what is your coaching tree? In other words, have you developed assistant coaches um, to be so good that they now are head coaches and they're taking your philosophies and your style and your lessons with them to their next program? Well, if you're going to do that, you better have a good sense of not only who you are, but also knowing who has done well before you and and taking those ideas and incorporating it into into your program. Yeah, I would I would definitely encourage like the coaches to do that. Um it's I think just sitting back and doing that that evaluation self and of your program and and even if it is working really well, like how can you still make it better? You know, I'm sure that we all have off-season programs that we've done or put together, and they worked well. Well, you know, do we need more days, less days? Do we do it earlier in the day, later in the day? You know, those kind of things. Those are little things, but they could make a big difference. And and then the other part behind that is why are you doing what you're doing? Yes, like, absolutely. You know, there's that part maybe even bigger when you're looking at 
you know, when you're taking that self inventory, like, why am I doing this? Because right. I think a lot of coaches just do things <laughs> yeah. because, because they, that's the way it's always been done or that's how they learn. So that's how we should do it. But if, if that's the reason that you're doing something, you know, step back, what is the intent? And if you can't, you know, articulate that intent now, now you need to, that, that's a definitely a, a stop sign sit back why am i doing this and does it fit me and then if it doesn't stop right so basically in, in this conversation here's just a couple of wrap-up points for coaches that are listening maybe questions to ask yourself as you listen to this in the summer i really even if you're listening to this later on and it's fall winter spring how do you how do you make yourself better well i think you know the things that that Jason and I have talked about on this podcast, you know, the the whole culture fit question. Are you recruiting talent and not paying attention to whether or not they fit into culture? Or are you really paying attention to the the culture and, and not and not sacrificing that? And analyze yourself. Ask yourself what how, what is our approach? Do do we do we would we turn down a highly talented athlete uh, if they didn't fit our our culture, um, you know, we also talked about the reputation of coaches and how sometimes that goes before them to sort of clear the road. And you know, so, what is the reputation that you would say your local community and the community of recruits or your team, your fan base? What is the thing that um, that you know that they would define as your reputation? Um, you know, being vulnerable and and owning mistakes. This, again, so many speakers at the National Collegiate Recruiting Conference got up and talked about that, and coaches learn from it. So, what are what are one or two things this summer that you can honestly look back and say, you know, I'm not good at this, or here's where I made a mistake, and then how do you fix that? Who do you seek out to help you? That's close to you within your circle. Uh, that's that's a another one. Um, we also talked about the importance of being original and not sort of cookie cutter uh, as, as a way to brand yourself. Uh, and, you know, the, the question that Jason brought up now at the end of this conversation, why are you doing what you're doing? And if the question or if the answer to that is, well, that's just the way we've always done it here, that's probably your first indication that you, uh, that you need to, to change or at least look at really questioning whether or not you are doing it the right way for you and, and your program. Um, so, hey Jason, really good stuff and, and uh, great observations. And, and again, I'll say I really appreciate you being a part of the conference and helping to kick it off that first day uh, with, with just the interaction that you had. And, um, and I, I hope coaches go to your podcast because it's a great resource for coaches at any level, uh, for, for all experience levels. And you, know, you talk to some great people too i mean the, the i i sometimes quietly covet the people that you get on your podcast because i'm thinking <laughs> oh man i i, I should have talked to him or boy she's got something good and so anyway it's it's good stuff and i uh, uh appreciate uh listening to you and and the effort that you put into creating just a, a fantastic podcast well dan i appreciate that a, a ton and it was again your conference was a lot of fun it was a lot of learning um, the people were, were really great. And, you know, not only did I get to meet some new coaches, I got to make some new friends. And, you know, I'm not a college coach, but I do listen to, you know, your college recruiting weekly podcast. And there are lots of things that I learn um, from the coaches you have on there. And, and yeah, so we have this mutual um, kind of fantasy about having the other coaches from from each of others pod from like I, there's coaches you've got on that i'm like man why don't, why don't they why don't they come on my podcast too um but that's so. why coaches need to listen to both of them because it's it is a different audience and yep. different topics and i think that's what makes it uh that's what makes it strong yeah well dan again appreciate this this was great um let's not make it four months before we do another one yeah we should probably do it more than every four months uh that's probably mostly my fault because of travel and everything the last uh last couple of months have been crazy but yeah we'll definitely want to do this again sooner rather than later because uh, uh got a lot of good feedback from the first one we did and uh, it's always great talking to you jason awesome well dan have a great rest of your day have a great week and you know i'll sign off on my side by um coaches don't be good get better 
yeah, well, I'm going to, I'll make it simple and double down on that. Just I'll add in recruiting at the end. That, that, that would apply to my podcast. So, Jason, thanks, thanks a lot. And that's how we wrapped up the conversation with Jason Oates, host of the Whistle on a Clipboard podcast for coaches. We really appreciate him joining, and it's going to be a duplicate podcast on his site. And uh, if you don't subscribe to his podcast, you really should, Coach, because there's such good information, and he really gets into the aspect of program development, leadership, and coaching strategy, and it's just a fantastic resource that that I really enjoy. I, I told him in the broadcast afterwards that uh, it's one of my go-to podcasts to listen to on flights when I'm flying around the country working with all the coaches that we work with. So um, I really recommend it for you as well. That's going to do it for today's show. We encourage you during the summer to go to dantutor.com to catch up on all the articles from this past year. Uh, Look at being a client. If we haven't worked with you before, there's some really good resources available that we can do for recruiting that coaches are always surprised about what we can do when we really dig in and do research on how they can better tell their story. So you can find that under the Total Recruiting Solution tab. There's a lot more uh, resources uh, that are, most of it is is free. So uh, go there, take a look and get better at what you do, coach. And the primary job of a college coach is to recruit great athletes. So with that in mind, have a great week, go out and be a great recruiter. And thanks for listening to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. Mm -hmm.